Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Hey, I'm Sarah. When planning our home birth, my husband Matthew and I were really frustrated by the lack of empowering and honest home birth resources. So we created this podcast to start a new conversation for moms and families like us. This is Doing It at Home. Hey everyone, welcome to the Doing It at Home podcast. I am Sarah Bivens, and with me is the man who made me a mama, helped make me a mama, (laughs) Matthew Bivens. What's up, Matthew? What's up, mama? Hey, hey. Um, So Mother's Day is coming up very shortly. This is our Mother's Day episode extravaganza. Yeah, we're just just a few (laughs) days away from Mother's Day. Your first Mother's Day as... As a uh, as a mama. Yes, it is. And you have already kicked off those festivities in a really special way for me. You sent me on a Mother's Day scavenger hunt of sorts this morning. I did. It was really awesome. He told me to clear my schedule for the morning, and I did. And then you told me what I needed to wear and blah, 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 blah. So I'm thinking we're going somewhere. And Maya had just gone down for her nap, so I'm thinking, okay, well, he's obviously arranged childcare. Like, someone's coming over <laughs> to hang out with Maya if we're going somewhere. But then you get the keys and my stuff, and you hand me this envelope, and I realize you're sending me off into the car by myself. And I was a little bummed at first because I thought we would be hanging out, but I appreciate and understand the the value and the purpose of what you were saying. You know, enjoy you time, enjoy mm-hmm. baby free time, you know, be with yourself and – Long story short, there were a bunch of clues in this envelope. Took me to Starbucks to get a tasty beverage, a green tea latte. Soy green tea latte is my drink of choice. And I ended up at our chiropractor's office. And our chiropractor has an amazing massage therapist in their office. And I got a beautiful massage. It was absolutely glorious. And I got two car rides, baby free, jam into my music. You know, I like to blast my music oh. loud. Oh, I know. Every time that you, bass bumping. Every time you pull into the house, <laughs> I hear it. And uh, it's just, it was so great. So um, any of you uh, dads out there listening to this want some creative ways to celebrate your your ladies for Mother's Day, cute little scavenger hunt is, is a win in, in my book. It was very successful on our end, so highly recommend it. And um, any of you ladies, you could give some hints, nudge, nudge. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I I wanted to give you a gift, but I didn't want to just hand you an envelope. Mm. So I constructed a little mission for you. Well. Some clues. Gold star. Great job. Thank you. I appreciate you. you. Yes, yes. Your body got loved on. It did, definitely. Okay, so this is a really exciting episode. It is. It is. You want to tell everyone what we're up to and what we did for this episode? 
Yeah, so we were kind of sitting around thinking, like, okay, we want to do something cool for Mother's Day. And the idea just popped in my head, and I said, what if we interviewed our moms? What if we talked to each one of our moms about our birth story? Mm. And we just, we both loved the idea and immediately got on the phone with our moms to set up a time to do a recorded interview. And so you spoke with your mom. Yes. And you and your mom talked all about your birth story and all that amazingness. And then the next day I spoke with my mom and did the same, learned about my birth story. And did you know your full birth story before that? Not the way we discussed it. I knew highlights, I knew main points, and I had gotten you know, bits of it over the years, but to hear it all yeah. in one sitting and, and get, you know, all the aspects that I, I learned a lot. And um, so no, to answer your question simply, I, I didn't hear, I've never heard it like that. Me neither. I think I'd probably heard like 5% of my birth story. So it was really cool to sit down with my mom and have her go through the whole thing. And uh, it was awesome. I just, you know, I looked at my mom and just like, damn, you are a badass mom. Like, it's just very cool. It, it was I don't know. It was very special for me. Yes. Cool. Yeah. And badass actually comes up in my interview with my mom as well. That is a general theme of um, moms. <laughs> so all you moms, have a badass Mother's Day. Yes. Um, but this, yeah, it was it was a really great experience. And I feel very connected to my mom. And I appreciated the conversation and her her personality and her candor. And all of it is, is just great. So uh, I highly recommend to all of you listeners, if you don't know the story of how you came into the world, Sit down with your moms or your parents, whoever, and uh, get get some of that story and yeah. maybe even record it or, you know, somehow to document it for posterity. It's, it's pretty cool. You know, and, and one thing I've learned from doing 50 plus episodes and talking to dozens and dozens of moms and families is that, you know, moms and dads love sharing the birth story of their kids. You know, if anybody came up to me and asked me, I would I tell anybody I'd tell them all the details. It's just a very special moment. So you would it's kinda like giving your mom a gift just in just in that, just saying, Hey mom, will you tell me about my birth story? And uh, for the most part at least, I, I imagine most moms like talking about it. And um, yeah, just a, it could be a very cool thing. So maybe this episode will inspire you to go sit down, have a nice uh, green tea latte and <laughs> chat with your mom about how you were brought into the world. Well yes. yeah, brought not 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 created. Not, not if you want to have that conversation, <laughs> to, that's that's cool. I don't I don't knock that. that I'm not interested in that story, but um, maybe some people are. That's true. There um, might be some some very open, communicative. We families. didn't get into that with my my interview with my mom. So all right. So if you were expecting that, sorry, stop sorry. this episode right now. You're not going to get any of that. No. no. Okay. Well, we'll let you hear those interviews um in a second. But before we do, just want to wish all of you a happy, blessed abundant Mother's Day. Yes. All of you moms out there, mothers, mothers-to-be, and others, the women who help raise you know, babies and communities and families who may not have children themselves, but they are such important mm -hmm. um, motherly figures. You are just as important and just as crucial to the development and the growth of a child's life and, and babies and, and all of that. So the mothers and the others, baby mamas, 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 we love you. We appreciate you. All the DIH moms who have been on the show, we love you. Thank you. And all those in the future who will be on the show, um, it's just a really 
magical time and, you know, take that time to honor yourself and the mothers in your life. And we just, we really appreciate you and thanks for all the support you give the show. And if you would like to continue that support or show your support in some way, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes and leave us a review. Um, it really does help to get our message of empowerment and, um, what is the word that I want? Empowered birth. Um, out there to moms and families. So, you know, if you want to pay it forward in some way to us for what we do on the show, we greatly appreciate that through subscribes and reviews. Okay. I can't talk anymore. So <laughs> let's roll into these interviews. Do you have anything else to add? Uh, just that my interview will be first and then your interview will close it up. Great. That sounds awesome to me. All right. You guys enjoy. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Hey, Mom. Hello there. How are you? I am fantastic. I'm doing great. We just put Maya down for a nap, and so this is like a perfect time to to talk. And so, how are you? I am just fine. I had a great day at work, and just uh, winding down this evening. It's beautiful out, and I'm just going to take the dogs for a walk in a little bit. Awesome. It's like your your nightly ritual, the dog walk. Yes. <laughs> yes. They they don't let me forget. No, they don't. <laughs> well, cool. Well, thank you so much okay. for uh, for agreeing to jump on a call and share my birth story. I think um, I'm excited because I've only gotten bits of pieces of my birth story from you, and so it's gonna be really cool to hear the whole thing. And you know what? A there's like no better time to do it than than near Mother's Day. So thank you. That's right. You're very welcome. I'm um, I'm glad to you know share this wonderful story about when you were born, when I was 31 years old. Mm, awesome. Well, let's um, share your name real quick, just so everybody knows. Gary Patricia Bivens. Beautiful. Gary Bivens. That's my mom. And yeah. so I'm the first of three. I was the first and the only boy. And so it's myself. It's my sister Dana, 18 months younger than me, and then Carrie, who's five years younger. And so did you always know that you wanted kids? Yes, I did. Always knew I wanted kids. I didn't want them earlier in my 20s. I, I really wanted that time for myself. And as I got to, um, you know, be approaching 30, around 29 or so, I really did want to get married and have a family. And so at 31... Your father and I got married, and I had you also when I was 31. Um, 
We got married in September. I, uh, we got pregnant with you in November. And then uh, we had you that July. So it was a very busy year, 19. <laughs> well, 1985, we were married. And then we had you in 1986. So that was a yeah, busy it year. Was, it was. Yeah, it was great. It was very nice getting pregnant so easily. That was one, um, you know, one thing that I didn't have to worry about. And I was very grateful about that. Yeah. Yeah, because you know we were we were chatting before we hit record, and you you were just saying how um, it isn't the case for for many families. You know, it mm-hmm. it adds that dimension of anxiety on top of everything. So um, you must have passed that on to me because the 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 ease of getting pregnant. Because Sarah and I got pregnant, uh, you know, very quickly as well as soon as we began trying. So I appreciate you handing that down. That's. That's great. You're very welcome. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> so, so talk to me a little bit about pregnancy and how you experienced that with me. In uh, well, in December, uh, you know, I found out that we were pregnant, and that first trimester, I was very tired. Um, you know, just a little bit of nausea, but mostly just exhausted. And then when the second trimester came, it was like a veil lifted, you know, I was felt totally reborn, that tiredness passed, and then the pregnancy was just very nice, both in the second and the third trimester. There were no problems. Everything went very, very well, and I was just so relieved not to be so tired. It's so interesting. Like, you know, that's definitely a thing that happens with a lot of, of moms. Like, first trimester, you know, it's almost, you can kind of... um map what's going to happen in each of them. Right. Right. I Yeah. First trimester tired, second dri- trimester pretty blissful. And then sometimes for some in the third trimester, there are those aches and pains yeah. with the advancing size of the baby and your abdomen. And, you know, then sleep becomes an issue for some and then some urinating frequently. Um, but for the most part, uh, those were great trimesters and I didn't have any problems at all. Now, did you, um, did you have a really big belly? Was it a, was I, you know, a big baby, medium baby or small baby in your belly? I would say I was average, uh, but I wasn't all baby as you and Sarah were. Um, Sarah was definitely... Uh, just the baby bump. I had gained um, a little bit more weight, uh, not a lot, but a little bit more. And so um, I wasn't huge, but uh, just overall, there was the you know the weight gain. Did did people say, "Oh, I can see your care the way you're carrying. You're going to have a boy." Like, could could you tell? No, not not really. There weren't too many predictions as far as that was concerned. And um, and uh, your father and I didn't want to know, uh, you know, what you were going to be. So we didn't find out. And, of course, we waited until the day you were born on July 22nd. That's so cool. Yeah, wow. that was that was wonderful. That was a very nice surprise. And um, 
if I had to do it all over again, I would do it the same way. How come you, you didn't want to know? Is it because you really wanted that surprise on, on birthday? Yeah, I, I just, yeah, I just didn't want to know. It, there wasn't a priority with, you know, how to decorate or what to buy. That wasn't even something I really considered. Um, you know, I just knew years ago women were very surprised at, you know, the sex of their, their baby at the time they were born. And I didn't really, I wasn't really interested in getting that information Mm. uh, from the ultrasounds that I did get while I was pregnant with you. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was a wonderful, it was a wonderful surprise just, you know, having a boy and um, it was perfect. Hmm. Well, so tell me, when did you first know that you were going into labor? Like, wh- like what were the signs that kicked it off? Um, just, the, you know, just some cramping. Just, you know, the contractions and, and cramping. And I knew it started. Uh, my due date was July 14th. And so it was July 22nd in the morning and, um, and I did start feeling some, you know, cramping and labor contractions. I had always been told that, you know, with uh, the first baby labor can take longer and that there's really, of course, no rush to get to the hospital, you know, wait until the contractions become longer and closer together so when I started having contractions, I was just taking my time, took a shower leisurely, you know, shaving my legs, moisturizing, washing my hair. <laughs> and by the time I got out of the shower, I was very uncomfortable. Oh, wow. So I, I went into the shower, just uh, the lady of leisure, and I kind of came <laughs> out like, holy smokes, this is not funny this hurts (laughs) so I was a completely different woman as I barreled out of the bathroom and um, decided to go to the hospital so this was in the morning correct yes it was in the morning I probably maybe around 11 or so and then probably went to the hospital about one o'clock so when uh, when you got out of the shower and you're like, okay, this is this is progressing. We need to we need to get out of here. Yes. What was the mood? Was it like was it like they you see in the movies where okay we got to go and it's oh my gosh get the bag oh, jump in the car or was it more kind of calm like how were you and dad in that moment? It was it was kind of calm and and I wasn't with Kurt. He was working. Oh. Okay. And um, so. We, uh, I got a ride to the hospital uh, with our friend. Her name was Ellen. She worked with Kurt, um, but she was off that day, and she drove me to the hospital. And on the way to the hospital, it was it, it was just I was a completely different person. It, I I was very overwhelmed with how painful it was. Mm-hmm. It totally surprised me, and sitting in the car just going, I couldn't even get comfortable. I would put the seat back, I'd put the seat up. And she, you know, Ellen never had children, so she was just kind of looking over like I had an an alien inside (laughs) of me. She was just kind of wondering what was going on. When 
one minute I was laying flat, then I'd adjust the seat. I just couldn't get comfortable. Oh. And um, so she was glad to drop me off at the hospital oh, I to, bet. Get, to get <laughs> how, me there. <laughs> how long was the drive? Uh, not not that long. She didn't live that far away. It might have taken about 20 minutes or so. Okay. This was in San Diego. Yeah. And, and I guess it's worth mentioning that, um, well, you know, so dad was a doctor. Were you, what, what, was you a nurse at the time or no? Yes. Yeah, you were? I okay. Was a nurse at the time. Okay. And he was a resident in plastic surgery. So he was at the hospital and really didn't have the, the liberty of leaving um, his job to come while I was in labor because he was a resident. He was kind of low man on the totem pole. Mm. And um, you just can't set your hours and say, oh, got to go. So um, he really wasn't there for most of my labor. Um, but then, of course, he did come um, towards maybe the last third of the time that I was laboring at the hospital, you know, which was great. He, you know, he made it in perfect time and got to be there for, you know, obviously the most important time. So, so Ellen gets you to the hospital and, um, do they come out to, to like greet you out front with a wheelchair or did you like walk in there? We came in and, and I was wheeled to the maternity area, the mother baby area and um, and there they would, were just trying to check me in, get me changed into a hospital gown, get a blood pressure. But every time I had a contraction, I just could not focus. Mm. I couldn't sit. I would just stand up and start walking around. I'd pull the blood pressure cuff off my arm because it was uncomfortable. So it was it was kind of hard for them to get. Um, get me settled and and they when they did get me settled in my room they did call um immediately to have um the anesthesiologist come and place an epidural which had been the plan the whole time you know i was planning on having an epidural and so i really wanted it i mean i wanted it even before I got to the hospital. Yeah. And so when I, you know, when I got there, we called, they called the anesthesiologist and they came and placed the epidural. So you mentioned that uh, when the contractions came, you would stand up and walk around. Was that like the most comfortable for you to be walking and moving through the contractions? Yes. Yeah. It was, you know, I just found them so uncomfortable that just to be sitting there just wasn't enough. And, and with a blood pressure cuff, um, adding more pressure on my arm I would just stand take it off yeah and start walking around had did you guys do any like um prep any courses yeah we did any of that stuff we did the Lamaze uh, okay class the Lamaze breathing and I did that series of classes um you know when I was pregnant probably when I in the second trimester it's just that Lamaze didn't prepare me for how painful yeah. the labor contractions would be. Um, it really, I mean, it was helpful. You know, you always remember breathing. That's yeah. always, it always becomes the mantra. But I was really overwhelmed with how uncomfortable it was. And so the Lamaze just kind of went out the window. Mm. And uh, I did rely a lot on the nurses. Um, and the doctors just 
trying to, you know, calm me down, help me through each contraction. Yeah, yeah. So, so it was definitely a group effort. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I can understand that. That's that's how it was when you were at Maya's birth. It was very much a group effort. So I get that. Mm-hmm. Um. So the 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 nurse gives you the epidural, and then was it like immediate the, relief? The anesthesiologist, anesthesiologist gives, sorry. Uh, gives, gives the epidural. And no, unfortunately, the epidural only took on one side. And I've heard that's pretty common. Oh, wow. So instead of, you know, both sides, you know, being knocked out as far as feeling, um, only one side I got relief from the contraction. So um, from the point the epidural was placed to when you were born, I really felt everything on one side. Oh, wow. Uh, which, which was very intense, um, you know, and very uncomfortable. And, um, but, you know, that's, you know, that's the best that they could do. Yeah. Um, I'm sure they gave me all the medication they could through the epidural, but it was only numbing one side. Hmm. When, when um, from so you got into the hospital, we say about one o'clock, and and then you know you're going through all of the the contractions and the epidural and all of that. Um, about how long were you laboring? Probably just from that morning, say eleven o'clock, until you were born. I think at like six eleven in the evening. So really, not that long for the first baby, about yeah. seven hours. Wow! And how about the pushing not, through that? How how not long? Not terribly long. I think that was for about maybe an hour. That took longer. I I don't know why, but I I guess you know maybe because I was a runner. Um, I remember I remember the obstetrician, my obstetrician, having his partner come in and help because I guess my perineum was just very tight and they did have to do an episiotomy. And um, I was I really pushed a lot to get you out. Um, I got this big old head. I understand it. So (laughs) so uh, they uh, yeah, so they were they were both working together to try to get you out. Um, so there was, there was a lot of pushing. Where was, uh, a lot of pushing. was dad in the room at that point when the pushing started? Yes. Yeah. He was in the room and you know, it, it got, it got pretty intense. I remember my, my blood pressure really dropped at one point and I was hyperventilating just because of the pain yeah. And I remember them, you know, flattening the bed to help raise my blood pressure and putting oxygen on. And I remember I vomited. So, you know, in a matter of, you know, a couple of minutes, there was a, a bit of drama uh, with the way I was feeling physiologically. But, um, you know, they had the oxygen mask on me and, and, and I recovered and just pushed. And then I just remember... I remember when you were born, they basically pulled you out. I remember them pulling mm. that that I was kind of lifted off the table, the bed. You know, I just remember them really pulling and getting you out. And I mean, there was no trauma to you or anything. 
um, not even a mark, but I do remember being literally being pulled off the table oh, wow. as they were pulling. Wow. Yeah. So they had to pull my, my butt out, mm-hmm. out of there. <laughs> oh, man. So you were born beautiful, eight pounds, three ounces, absolutely beautiful. And, and Kurt and I were overjoyed. And um, I think from all the pushing that I had done, I developed a hematoma um, somewhere in the, in, I don't know whether it was, like, it was vaginally or somewhere in the retroperitoneal area. I had developed a hematoma and they actually kept me one night extra just to keep an eye on that. They mm. monitored my, um, my blood count and they just wanted to make sure that that wasn't getting any larger. And I wasn't symptomatic or anything, nothing hurt, but I guess on, upon um, doing the pelvic examination, they could feel this hematoma. And they wanted to make sure it didn't get any bigger. So I actually spent two nights in the hospital with you, whereas I, you know, just spent one night with Dana and Carrie. Wow. So what what was and, the what was the what was it like when I finally came out when they after they had pulled me out? Well, what, what happened after it, that? It was it was just joy. It was it was bliss that it was over. Um, it was joy that you were beautiful and you were healthy and fine. And, um, and then a little bit later, just you, you know, latching on and being able to breastfeed you again with no problem. That was another thing I was very grateful for, because again, that, that can also be very problematic for new mothers is for various reasons not being able to breastfeed. Either the baby is sleepy and doesn't latch on or there's a problem with milk production. But uh, it was just easy. It was easy. You just latched on and you were getting what you needed and it was, there was just no no problem. Mm. It was very easy. Yeah. And it it was just a, a beautiful two days in the hospital. I was just, I was just, Euphoric. That's oh. the only word I can explain. <laughs> wow. So they didn't have euphoric. to take me away or anything like that? No. No, not uh, no. No. You were with me um most of the time. They did they did take you away to circumcise you, which is something I wouldn't I, if I had to do it again I wouldn't have had you circumcised. I you know, looking back on that, I don't think that's a very nice thing good thing to do to baby boys without any anesthetic Mm. um it was something that kurt wanted i think you know being a man and knowing you know maybe if you're uncircumcised with a bunch of boys that are circumcised you look different maybe he didn't want that you know stigma or whatever but he wanted you circumcised and i i hadn't really you know I just, you know, went along with it. But now, you know, knowing that no anesthesia is given, no local anesthesia, I think um, if I did it differently, I would not have had you circumcised and let you decide if you wanted that done yourself and Mm. have a surgical procedure where you could have anesthesia and be comfortable. Yeah. Yeah, Sarah and I have chatted about that uh, for baby number two. If mm-hmm. if baby number two becomes a boy, so 
it is very mm -hmm. interesting. You know, it's an interesting mm -hmm. uh, conversation and decision to make. Yeah, I just, uh, if there's no way you can help with that pain, I can't see putting an infant through that. And just because they don't remember it uh, doesn't justify doing that. Mm. You know, it is very painful. They do scream. Um, they are bundled up, um, you know, swaddled and bundled while it's done. And um, it's very painful. Makes me hurt and I, <laughs> just hearing that I right just, now. Yeah, I just, I just wouldn't have done that. that mm. That's probably the only thing I would have done differently yeah. in that whole birth process um, is not not have been so quick to have you circumcised. Yeah. So after the two days in the hospital and you're ready to go home, um, what was that like? Was Were there any nerves in the car ride home? Like, how, how did that happen? Who drove? No, um, Kurt drove. Um, it was fine. Um, it's surprising that, uh, you know, me being a nurse and Kurt a surgeon, we didn't know that a breastfed baby's stool, you know, was so liquidy. So when you would have a bowel movement, you know, it would just be this liquid. And he and I thought you had diarrhea and we were oh, very wow. concerned. We didn't understand why you were having this, you know, liquid stool. And, um, and I called my pediatrician and she explained that that is what the stool would look like. So, uh, you know, we were very much relieved that that wasn't a problem. But oh, it just surprises me how, you know, that was just something that we weren't aware of. Um, you know, I was aware of breastfeeding and the importance of latching on and everything. And then once it was done... I didn't, I didn't know that the, you know, the bowel movements would look different. And so we were both very dismayed and worried when, you know, for a couple of days you would have these liquid stools. We thought mm. you were having diarrhea. We were very concerned that you would, would get dehydrated. And then it turned out that there was nothing. Oh, that doesn't sound fun. So just having that, that, uh, like not really knowing and being concerned, but right. Right, right. Just for a couple of days, we had a lovely pediatrician, and she, she said, "No, that's that's totally normal," and so that was it. Wow. You know, that was that was our crisis, and then everything after that, you know, just went fine. Did you have any help at home in the in the days after I was born? No, um, Kurt's mother came out. And she stayed for maybe a week. Like right um, after or how long after? I think, I'm trying to remember. I, I think she came very shortly after uh, I came home. And actually, we weren't even at home. We weren't at our home. We were actually staying at Ellen's house with her husband we uh, hadn't closed on our condo, oh, and wow. so uh, nice. we <laughs> nice of them. Actually, yeah. So we actually were staying at their house because they were going to be vacationing oh. uh, for about two weeks. So we were at their house, 
I think the day that she left for vacation was the day that I went into labor. And um, that's why she took me to the hospital. But um, I know. So, uh, so Kurt's mother arrived, I think, you know, a day or two when I got home. No, I, I didn't have help. And I didn't think I needed help. And I didn't really want any help. I, I, I guess I was just so happy um, that you were just so beautiful and so perfect that um, I was very sore. Uh, I do remember that. I was extremely, you know, to sit down. It was very uncomfortable. Yeah. But I, 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 I think, you know, Kurt's mother made would make dinner and um and that was nice just being able to you know sit down and have dinner but no i um i i moved out to california when you were eight months pregnant when i was eight months pregnant with you um the first place i went to was a bed and breakfast at a co-worker of kurt's at this hospital where he was doing his residency had just opened um i stayed there for a week uh, almost a week by myself. This was while he was driving cross country, moving to you know California. This was in June. This is from New York. Stayed correct? there it's from New York. So I stayed at this bed and breakfast by myself uh, with our two cats. I flew <laughs> out with them, um, and then Kurt arrived, and then we moved into faculty housing at UCSD San Diego campus. We lived there, I think, for a month. And then from there, we went to Ellen's house, um, and and that's when I went into labor and had you. So um, it was, after that, it was just very nice getting to our condo and just getting really settled as a family with the three of you, but, um, you know, with the three of us, but I didn't, um, I didn't feel I needed help because I didn't have any help. So Mm. it wasn't something that I missed and it wasn't something I felt I needed. I think I was so grateful for how beautiful and perfect you were that, I didn't feel I was missing anything. I felt I had everything I needed, which which I did. Yeah. I had everything I needed. Was uh, was that that first you know month of parenthood what you thought it was going to be? Um, yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. Just you know, basically the breastfeeding, you know, getting up often. Um, I wasn't working, you know, of course, you know, during those first couple of months. So it was fine. Um, you know, Kurt was able to, you know, go to work and do what he needed to do. And I was, you know, happy to be at home and taking care of you. So, yeah, it was fine. That was fine. That's awesome. I love hearing that. That's a, I, I really, like I said, I've only heard bits and pieces of that story and, and to hear the whole thing connected together is really, yeah, it's really sweet. Good. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you liked that story. It was, yeah. it was a beautiful, a beautiful experience for us. I'm, I'm incredibly happy and grateful that, you know, you were such a big part of, um, of, 
of Maya's birth and, you know, our pregnancy and, you know, you were able to, you know, because we live 30 minutes away from one another. So you mm -hmm. were, we, we were able to, to be together often and then you were here for, for Maya's pregnancy. So it's really, I don't know, what was that like for you kind of coming full circle 30 years later? Uh, it was, I was very, I was very humbled, you know, coming to your house that morning when Sarah was in labor, probably around the same time that I started labor around, I guess I got there about, well, well, actually it was earlier. I, I must've gotten there around eight or eight thirty or so. Um, it just, the whole atmosphere in the room was very, it was very solemn uh, it was quiet and uh, just, you know, walking in there and seeing Sarah laboring uh, in, in the tub, in the, you know, in the, the baby swimming pool. I was very impressed and, and humbled at how she was handling the contractions and the whole mood of um, her labor. It was, it was wonderful. It's something... I will always remember and always cherish, and it it was just an amazing, unforgettable experience. Yeah, you've had, um, you know, having three kids of your own and being there for your 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 granddaughter's birth. You've got a lot of those pretty incredible, unforgettable experiences, I imagine. Right, right, exactly. One one of the things that I that like hearing my birth story, the fact that you had planned on an epidural, you were kind of counting on the epidural, and you got it, but it only half took, so you had right. to just deal with it basically, deal with not you know it not going the way that you wanted, like that right. had to have been a challenge because you're expecting all this relief, you're expecting all this all these things, and you're you've prepared for it and then it doesn't go that way and so now right. i'm like man my mom is you know and i knew you were a badass but i'm like man my mom's a major badass yeah and since that happened you know i've heard of that happening to a lot of women yeah where the epidural only takes on one side that's not very uncommon um so uh yeah it was disappointing and i think it's it definitely contributed, you know, to my hyperventilating and probably a little bit of panicking yeah. while I was in, you know, having those frequent contractions and transitioning uh, because it was so uncomfortable, you know, on that one side. I basically you know, did feel everything. Mm. But it, you know, it, it turned out fine. So yeah. it, and, you know, fortunately, I did have the wonderful nurses and doctors just, you know, helping me through and doing what they needed to do. And, you know, and, ha you know, having you arrive safely and healthy. And so it was fine. It mm. did. It did, though. Um, it did have an effect on me when I was pregnant with Dane and Carrie, though, the anticipation of oh, labor yeah. was not very um savory for me and uh with dana i actually got an epidural before i even started labor i happened to be dilated without um having contractions oh, wow. um, and I, I was overdue with dana so 
it was the day before Thanksgiving and the doctor just said, Oh, let's just go in and today and have this baby. And so when I got to the hospital, they just put the epidural in before I even had contractions. And so I had her without feeling a thing. And, uh, and so that was amazing. And then with Carrie, I just had some contractions, you know, some labor pains, but, uh, got the epidural and then, you know, the birth was fine. Wow. So I was the one who brought all the drama, huh? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Most of it. Yeah, definitely. Oh, definitely man. Most of it. I guess right. that's the, that's the first, you don't, uh, you don't know what to expect. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Wow. Well, mom, thank you so much. Thank you so much for, for again, mm-hmm. um, taking this time to share this story with me. Like it's, I don't know. That's awesome. I, I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful for you, for, for all that you have done and you continue to do for me and Sarah and Maya. And, you know, this is, this is special for me. Okay. Um, I'm so glad we have this recorded. It yeah. will always be our little history and uh, I'm very glad that you have the complete birth story now. Me and of too. course, uh, anything else you can think of, we can always add to this interview down the road. Oh, wonderful. And uh, maybe okay. you can uh, grab some of those early, see if you can find any early photos. I'd love to, to check those out next time I come over. Sure. Cool. Sure. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Well, thank you again, Mom. Okay. I, I love All you. Right. And happy Mother's Day. Okay, thank you, Matthew. I love you, too. Bye-bye. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Hey, Mom. Hi, sweetie. Thanks for hanging out with me and talking to me. It's always my pleasure. (laughs) So I am your baby of your babies, right? (laughs) You're the last of the babies. So I'm your third and all girls. And how how did you feel about having all girls? Oh, sex of the children was never, ever anything that I thought about. Really? It really was. No, nope, never. Mm-hmm. Um, when your older sisters were born, Amy first, I was happy to have a little girl knowing that it would be fun to have a little girl. Mm -hmm. And then when I was pregnant for the second time, so many people would ask, are are you hoping that it's a boy? And I would just say, no, not really. Mm. It doesn't really matter. And so having Becky then 
right away, 17 months apart, having two little girls close together, I thought that would be nice that they would be there for each other. Mm, yeah. And, and I, I was happy that they had each other. Not when they were teenagers, <laughs> but, but I was happy that because they were so close, they were the same sex. So I thought that would be a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then it was, 10 years before you came along. Yeah, like almost 12 years, right? Because they're like 17 months apart, you just said, and then me like over a decade later. Yes, yes. Um, The thought of having another child hadn't been really considered, but, you know, life has its turn, and there (laughs) you were. (laughs) A great surprise. And then people were really emphatic. Oh, you must want a boy now. You must right. want a boy now. And all I could say was, I saved a lot of pink clothes. <laughs> uh, I need somebody to wear the clothes that I tucked away. So it would, it's going to be a problem if we have a boy now. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. That's so great. Well, how was it being pregnant? you know, with, with a decade apart, you know, what were some of the big differences or, or inexperience? Cause you, you used to always make the joke that you were the youngest mom on the block and then one of the older moms on the block. Yes. That life gave me a really, really nice opportunity to see it from both ends because, um, your sisters were born when I was in my early twenties and I had a lot of energy and was able to do everything that I wanted to and for and with them And then when you came along 10 years later, I always said you went from the womb to the inside of the van because you had to go to everything that they needed to be taken to. Mm -hmm. So we were going to Girl Scouts and tutoring and dance and everything. And you just, you know, adapted right along. It was very, very mobile. (laughs) Oh, yes. But the big difference for myself physically was when I was pregnant with your sisters, I was very, very sick with morning sickness. Mm. And at that time, they had what was called Bendectin. And it was a medication that I could take. And as soon as I started feeling the morning sickness, I was able to take that. And it was under control. Well, between the time when they were born and you were born, there were some side effects that were detected with Vindectin. And luckily, I was not exposed to Mm -hmm. that. It didn't happen to me. So when I got pregnant with you, the first thing I said was, okay, give me my prescription for the Vindectin. (laughs) And the doctor said, "Uh, we don't do that anymore. And I was appalled. I said, what do you mean I have to do this cold turkey? And he said, oh, it, you know, it won't be so bad. You you know, maybe you really didn't need it. Maybe it was all in your head. Hello. I used to carry a cup in the van and stop at a stoplight and throw up in the cup and then just keep going. Wow. I just was throwing up all the time. I would stop at Wendy's and eat a meal before I would go to the doctors for my weigh-in because I was always afraid that my weight was going to be down because I just could not keep anything down. Jeez. It, 
it was just not fun at all. Mm-hmm. And was that through most of the pregnancy with me? Say all the pregnancy. <laughs> it just never abated. Jeez. Never went away. Mm-hmm. Smells would set it off. I could bend over and I could feel. So always I remember the change in my body from when each one of the babies was born because Mm -hmm. as soon as the birth was over everything tasted and smelled different and it was okay Mm. so I guess I just had such a hormone factory going when I was incubating you guys (laughs) that you guys were okay Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it, it was that was a trial. That was a trial. I bet. I bet. I mean, when you were describing that, it made me think about one of the things I've really learned from you is about being intuitive with your body and knowing what it's telling you and what's going on. And I've just always experienced you very in in tuned with your body. You know, when you, you're very sensitive to when you feel it shift and like you're not feeling very well or whatever. And that's something I've definitely picked up from you over the years. And then also you being so active, you've always been a great example to me of being healthy and being fit. And, you know, you've always been an avid runner. You still run like four miles every single day. Um, and I just, I just think of how you, you set that example for me. And even with pregnancy and a challenging pregnancy, I would imagine you were still, you know, very healthy and, um, enjoying. Well, I was just a- just, just determined that when I was pregnant with you, no big deal. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna keep running mm. and just keep on doing it. But the nausea and the discomfort from that, I would go out to run, and I'd be trotting along, and I would just stop and say, you know, I can't do this. Mm. It was just some internal message saying, nope. You can't do this. And the reality was I was so close to being dehydrated so often that running would have been dangerous for both of us. Mm. Gotcha. And so I just I just stopped running mm-hmm. and said, okay, can't do it now. And I'll just maintain the fluids as best I can and just – but, you know, never being sedentary, I was active, but I gave up the running – the whole time because it, it just was not going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Would you say overall you enjoyed pregnancy? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Except when you're green and your head's in the toilet. Right. I, I, that's <laughs> totally understandable. I don't fault you there. <laughs> um, but, but it was not something that I dreaded. I was always, you know, happy each time I was pregnant, mm-hmm. happy and mm-hmm. feeling trepidation, hoping that everything was going to be okay. But your sisters, you know, were fine. My births were very easy, never an issue. I always wanted to do natural childbirth, and people would say, Well, are you sure? And I say, Well, you know. I'll see how it goes, and I was lucky. Mm. Both both times with your sisters, everything went very quickly, and I was able to maintain control. <laughs> so I 
I didn't have any medication for either one of those. And we're talking about, you know, in the mid-70s, which it wasn't really new, but still a lot of people weren't doing it. Yeah. So then why did you want to? What what drew you to that? I've always been very lucky in never having to take any medication for anything. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, so why would I do it then right. when it's it's possible to give birth without it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, I think I'm a little bit of a badass and I just knew I could do it. <laughs> I love you, Mom. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. Well, you are. So, You're a total badass. So I just thought, you know, I could do this thing. Well, it was the same way I felt about nursing. People would say, oh, so are you going to try nursing? And I would just say, well, I'm going to try it. If it doesn't work out, then it doesn't work out. Mm-hmm. And it worked out. It yeah. was just always easy for me. It was a goal, but it wasn't anything I would have been afraid to give up. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it was okay. Mm-hmm. And I felt really happy about being the only one that could take care of you guys. Mm. And that was my life anyway, so why would it matter to me? Right. So then moving into planning for my birth, I there were some other things around um, planning for my birth, right? Because you were, I'm using air quotes, like older to be having a yeah. baby. And so there were some were there fears yes. around that or like how were you feeling about that and, and what was your confidence like going into birthing me? I was not worried at all. Mm-hmm. When you're 35, because that's how old I was going to be when you were born, they automatically did amniocentesis. Mm-hmm. And I, when my doctor at that point said, okay, it's time to schedule that, and I said no. And he said, no, no, we, we do this, you know, for when you're 35 and older. And I said, no. <laughs> and he said, no, it's, it's, it's what we do. And I said, listen, it's not going to change anything for me. Mm-hmm. Whatever kind of information you get, it's not going to change my decision right. about having this baby. So there were at that time still much higher statistical problems inserting a needle and maybe having some kind of issue because of that. So why would I do that? Right. So I said, no. And, and he just sort of looked at me and said, okay, so you're being typically you. And I said, yes. (laughs) And he let it go and we didn't discuss it again, Mm -hmm. but it puts you in another category at least back then. And I think still now 35 and older. Mm-hmm. But and was it the I same just, doctor for all three of us? The same doctor for the prenatal for all three of you, but okay. he was not there to deliver you. He was off, you know, off the service at that time because gotcha. somebody else delivered you. But, you know, I'd had a relationship with him and he was not surprised mm-hmm. and whatever. Yeah. So. <laughs> you're just going to do what you're going to do. Yes. But you just, you were not that interested in 
being born. Yeah, so feel free to expand upon that. I um my original due date, right, was Amy, my older oldest sister's birthday, which she was not too pleased about from what I hear. <laughs> yes, yes. She oh, she whined. I don't want her born on my birthday. And I thought it was so cute. Oh, Amy, she's supposed to be born on your birthday. No, no, I'm sorry. The baby is supposed to be born on born on your birthday. Oh, we right, didn't know. We didn't that. know. I didn't yeah. know the sex of any of you guys. Oh, that's cool. And so, yeah, that was supposed to be one of the selling points of the amnio. Oh, we could tell you what it is. <laughs> so anyway, the baby will be born on your birthday, and she was not happy. But from the day of her birthday, she and Becky would call me from school on a pay phone to say, how are you feeling? And I'd say, I'm fine. Stop calling me. <laughs> and you were two weeks late. Mm. And were you weren't that late with Amy or Becky? No. Well, no, obviously they, not Becky. Becky like slid out. <laughs> yes, but they were both within like five days of the due date. Oh wow! Okay. And every day after that, you were. I just kept thinking, well, okay, you know, just you know, the better, the better. And then when I ended up at the hospital thinking that I was in labor and I really wasn't at that time and they examined me and they, you know, push around or whatever. And they say, oh, a lot, a lot of fluid, a smaller baby. That's what they said? Said, Yes. Oh, wow. They didn't do a sonogram then. Uh Uh-huh. They just, you know shoved you around a little bit on the outside and, you know, palpated and were like, oh, a lot of fluid, you know, small baby. And I took them at their word. And then you came out 9-3. And Amy and Becky were like, what, seven and change? Seven thirteen, exactly. Wow, that's hysterical. A lot of fluid, small baby. Um, yes. Not so much. Yes. Yes, but that I was at the hospital two weeks late. And they decided, well, let's just keep you here. So why don't you walk around a little bit? And so I did. Walked around maybe for about a half an hour or so and then came back. And then they decided that I really was in the early stages of labor. So let's just go ahead and get this thing going. Mm. And that's when the word Pitocin came up. Mm. And it's not like I didn't know what it was. I knew what it was. I knew what it was for. And I was not coming home uh. <laughs> without you, without you done. So you know they they you know they smile and they say, okay, we're just gonna start a little potato here, and you know we'll see how it goes. And wow, it's it's like on overdrive. Really? Yes. It you know they don't. They don't give you a bunch of it, like, right away. But it, they gradually, you know, increase it, increase it. And so I, what I was experiencing was what my other labors were like. And, like, okay, 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 this is okay, okay. And then the contractions were coming, like, harder and faster. And not so much was happening. Oh, man. Because you were so big. <laughs> if you'd been 
down around eight pounds, the thing would have taken care of right away. So you really did take all day. Wow. You took all day. So what time did you get to the hospital? Uh, I think we were there like 8.30, o'clock mm. in the morning. Okay. And you didn't show up till late afternoon. Yeah, like just before five o'clock. Yeah, yeah. It was it was an all day sucker mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So and then, yeah, go ahead. Still, well, still, you know, even though it was harder work, because any time that anybody ever asked me, "How did you give birth without any, you know, medication or whatever?" You know, did it hurt? And I would always say it was hard work. Right. Because in order to stay in control, in order to keep yourself together for it, you can't allow yourself to think of it as pain. Mm. That was my thinking. It's not pain. It's working towards this goal. It's work. It's work. Yeah. So just keep up with it. And with the Pitocin, some of those contractions were really, really hard to keep up with. Mm -hmm. And on the last couple of pushes, there was like a little hesitation going on. And then I was made aware of the fact that your cord was around your neck. Mm -hmm. So let's hurry up and get this done. Mm Mm-hmm. And I work well with a goal. <laughs> so it was just a couple more pushes, and I got you out, and you were blue. Mm-hmm. And that was really scary to mm-hmm. see how blue you were. Mm-hmm. And they just grabbed you out and unwound and scooped you over, and that wasn't what I was used to. Now, even back when your sisters were born, they didn't lay the baby on you. Oh, really? It just wasn't, it just wasn't done. Mm -hmm. Baby came out, they took them over, they did the APGAR and everything. And then in a few minutes, you know, they would bring them over for you to get a look at them and that kind of thing. But, you know, you were over on the other side of the room and they were, you know, calling for the neonatologist. And when you came out, there was some meconium there with it. So they were you were really not happy with how things were going, mm-hmm. but I was still doing my job, you know, staying in control, mm-hmm. having to take care of, you know, the afterbirth and they're over there and they're tubing you and they're talking and they are fussing with you. They're not giving me an indication that it was dire, but it wasn't the normal calm. Mm. that I had experienced before and agitation and they finally finished fussing with you and had you all wrapped up and you were in the cart and the doctor comes over and says a few things and I don't remember exactly and he said so she's you know we're going to take her to the neonatal and I said I haven't gotten to hold her yet and he looked at me and he looked over at you and he said okay so they brought you over and took you out and I got to hold you and I started talking to you and you started to pink up (laughs) 
and he's standing there and I can see him first he's like okay I'm I'm just you know I'm gonna let her do this and then we're out of here Mm -hmm. and then he puts his hand on his hip and he sort of looks and he looks around and he says give her back to me (laughs) and I said okay so he takes you back and he takes you back over lays you down unwraps everything that he's done retubes you again up your nose and all that stuff and sucks you out and whatever and then he looks at me and he looks at you and he says she's good we're not taking her (laughs) and I said no no I mean if you have to and he said no she's good she's okay and I was really surprised wow so you did not, because all I was thinking is, okay, she's not going to be able to come to the room with me. I'm not going to be able to nurse her right away. I'm going to have to go and visit her, and uh, it's not going to be optimum. Mm-hmm. And they never did send you. They had, you know, somebody come and check you a little bit more often, but you got to be in the room with me. You saved me from the neonatal unit, Mom. <laughs> yes. Thank you. <laughs> well, once again, being in control, mm. you know, that's the goal. Yeah. And trying to maintain control while they were doing what I knew you needed, but you're not taking her away till I get to hold her. Uh-uh. Yeah. And you could just... I mean, your face just started pink up and you were looking at me and I was talking to you and you could see that he just was not, you know, not going to let it happen. That's beautiful. I was tearing up as you were describing that because everything makes me cry now. (laughs) But just also, I, I felt that connection. I just felt that, you know, that sweet moment that you described. I really think that's like the power of that mother baby bond yes yes and um I would not have kept you from any kind of care absolute Mm -hmm. care that you needed but you know they'd wrapped you up and they were just going to take you to neonatal and keep an eye on you kind of thing Mm -hmm. well no not till I get to hold her Mm. and then my really my most fond memory was being able to talk to your grandmother mm-hmm. because all along we knew if you were a girl we were going to call her call you Sarah mm-hmm. and everybody kept asking well what's the middle name what's the middle name what's the middle name and I didn't want to say because if you turned out to be a boy mm-hmm. I didn't want anybody to be disappointed right. so Sarah this Sarah that and I would just say oh no oh no I don't know <laughs> so you know when I got to talk to your grandmother and say, I'm looking at the most beautiful thing you ever seen. And her name is Sarah Marjorie. Mm. Yeah. I love that part of the story. <laughs> I love that you, you tell me that almost every year on my birthday. And the catch in Marge's voice. Oh, yeah. Cause you didn't catch Marge off guard too often. Yeah. And I don't think she ever had expected that. Wow. 
Yeah. And the sound of Sarah Marjorie just worked. Yes. I like it so much that, you know, most most of the time you hear women dropping their maiden name when they change their name legally, but I kept Marjorie, so I'm Sarah Marjorie Bivens. Yes. Mm. It's 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 a name that's not used often anymore. Mm-hmm. But it speaks volumes. Mm-hmm. I agree. Wow. So, wow, I don't even know where to go from there. Three babies, all natural, total badass. Um, yeah, and now, now all of your babies have babies. And what's that experience like? And for you to watch all of us, you know, we're all at very different stages of motherhood and just, you know, I'm just at the beginning of this, this game, but, you know, I think we all have different styles, many of which, you know, we've taken some of your flair and then kind of added our own, but I'm just curious what it's been like for you to now go into grandmother role, but you're not grandmother, well, you're Kaka. <laughs> well, but I think of how lucky I am. I mean, some of my peers don't have any grandchildren and none in in the near future (laughs) and like I said we talked like we talked I was the youngest mom and then I've been grandma at the top of the slide Mm, yes you are (laughs) because I was able to do that with my oldest grandchild Brandon who is now 16 and a half wow so I have a 16 and a half year old grandson and a six year old granddaughter and now an eight month old granddaughter. Mm-hmm. I've got it made because mm-hmm. I've got all these stages and my expectation from each one of these children is different mm-hmm. and I should be able to fulfill what I want to be for them. Maybe not in the same way for each child, but I can be to Brandon what I want to be and have been since he was born. I can be to Lexi now at six because Brandon understands when Lexi needs me. Mm -hmm. And even Lexi at six understands Mm -hmm. babies and somebody younger needing. So I don't have what my poor mom had, <laughs> which was grandchildren clustered and trying to spread herself thin. Mm. And that was hard for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can, I, can, I can see that. I can get that. Making sure everybody's feelings were taken care of. <laughs> So I feel very lucky about that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because grandparenting is so unique in that you can give, give, give your love, but the end responsibility is not on my plate. Right. (laughs) So. I can give advice when asked for it Mm -hmm. and then be content that I have given my best and whatever happens was meant to be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mom, you're awesome. (laughs) 
You are. Aren't I lucky that you think so? You're just, I appreciate you so much for who you've been for me, who you are for all of us girls and now your grandchildren. Um, you're just, you're just amazing. And I feel even more, um, bonded to you is the way I want to put it. You know, the, the funnier version of that that you hear is like, I get it now. You know, like the the calls from any of us being like, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Um, but it's more than that. It's, it's feeling like really connected to you. And, you know, when I'm with Maya in certain stages and times of day, like I just think about what it would have been like for you with me. And it's this really kind of beautiful woman and it has like a spiritual element to it, you know, where I feel like, wow, this was done for me. The continuity. Mm -hmm. I was very close to Marge's mother Mm -hmm. when I was a little girl, Mm -hmm. very close to her. I slept with her in her bed when we went to stay with them. You know, she was my Nana. So I already knew what it was like to be a grandma when I was a little girl. Mm. I saw what it was like to be a grandma. And then to watch, you know, Marge do it. Wow. Yeah. Big shoes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A little bit scary. <laughs> But exciting. I mean, I haven't seen you be scared by many things. So, and I mean, even if you acknowledge something as scary, you still, you move through it powerfully and you maintain that control and you do what needs to be done and find a way to do it gracefully. Well, thank you. What a compliment. You're welcome. But I've never grandparented long distance, and this is a challenge. Yeah, I understand. I yeah. And if we could just get Maya to stop trying to eat the phone, I might be able to have a conversation with her. <laughs> we'll work on it. I'll have a talk with her about it. <laughs> but how wonderful! Mm-hmm. How wonderful that I could see her sitting in the grocery cart ripping up the coupons. Yeah. When you take some video of it, so that I can see it. Nobody has to wait for the pictures to come back right. from the drugstore. Right, right. And then handwrite you a letter, snail mail it. and <laughs> Yep. 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 And you and Matthew have been so wonderful to include me in all her stages. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, you're a part of it. You know, your, her egg was in um, me and you. Isn't that cool? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Mom. You, you're beautiful, wonderful, bold, strong, total badass, and it doesn't surprise me at all now. Um, a lot of the choices I've made in my life or a lot of the things that I've done, I know sometimes they're, they're off of the traditional path from what everyone is used to in our family, but I really think if you look at it and you listen to your story and how you are, it makes a lot of sense. I just kind of curved a little bit more. <laughs> I am ever, ever, ever so proud of you. Thanks, Mom. You're welcome. I love you. I love you. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. 
Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.